So let's, uh, yeah, let's get into this. So a couple weeks ago on the podcast, we did something that I'm calling YouTube DJ, um, <laughs> where you pull up two, two YouTube videos, kind of mash them up and see what happens. Um, last a cu- couple weeks ago, we did the lo-fi hip hop beats meets, uh, Gregorian chants, chant, which mashed yeah. up really, really well. Yeah, um, way too well. So I was kind of thinking, like, okay, how can we push this to the next level? How can we do this again? Okay. I think I've topped it. Oh, wow. That's a bold <laughs> claim, but okay. Eli, what I want you to do is uh, right. pull up YouTube. You know the drill. Two different tabs, YouTube on each. Okay. I'll give all you right. some time. Let me just close all this porn here. <laughs> I mean... Musical research. Anyway, porn. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay. I got. I got two tabs open. Okay. I actually, have a lot of YouTube <laughs> tabs open. I have like six YouTube tabs. Yeah, I could have just said go to one of your open six YouTube tabs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You actually could have. Okay. What's What's the first tab? Okay. First one. Search for Benny Hinn. Let the bodies hit the floor. Benny Hinn. H I N N. I think I've seen that. Okay, but we're going to oh, kind of switch put, things up. I didn't put let the bodies hit. Yeah, Benny Hinn, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor lightsaber? Uh, That's, I'll do that on my free time. Do, do that on your own time. <laughs> and there's a couple uh, of them. You can just kind of pick whichever one you want, really. That's why it's a mashup. Oh. You've got the power of choice. Okay, okay. I'm just going to probably roll with the first one. Okay, that sounds good. So I want you to pull that up. Hit play. And then you can skip, you know, if there's any ads or anything. Um, But I want you to mute it. Okay. I'm going to skip ahead because there's other people talking that are not Benny Hinn. Well, wait. This Also, his name is Benny Hill, right? No. Okay. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's Benny Hinn. Let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah, Benny H I N N. Yeah. Okay. I thought his name was Benny Hill. <laughs> but getting that wrong. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is Eli freaking out about? Dude, I'm so Benny excited. <laughs> so, Benny Hinn uh, is a uh, church uh, televangelist. Um, that, yeah, uh, yeah, televangelist. Televangelist yeah. that uh, heals people by slapping them and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got that pulled up? You ready? Correct. Okay. Yes. So you have it paused and you have it muted. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Open up tab two. Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> type okay. in, type in Benny Hill <laughs> theme song. <laughs> now, you're, now, now you're just fucking with me. <laughs> Benny Hill, Benny Hill theme song. <laughs> theme song. <laughs> Dude, I'm struggling already because I am. That's why I thought to do this. Okay, so Benny Hill was apparently this really old TV show. Um, he was an English comedian um, from like that had a TV show in like the 60s or something. Well, why do I fucking know his name? Then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But okay, okay, okay you ready? Okay. You got that one up. You got the theme uh, song pulled up. Now I do. Okay. I have the theme song at zero. I have the Benny Hinn one 10 seconds in. Okay, gotcha. So what I want you to do is hit play on the Benny Hill theme song and then jump real quick over to the tab, hit play. Oh, the Benny Hinn has to be muted? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so basically what I'm doing, 
I'm hitting Benny Hill, letting yep. that play, mm-hmm. hopping over to Benny Hen. Yes. No sound. Exactly. So that's why okay. it's, this is this is really more of a visual gag, mostly for you. The listener won't really know what's going on. All they'll hear <laughs> is the Benny Hill theme song. But this is a gift for you, my friend. Perfect. Okay. So, but but you have all the instructions of how to. Yep, get I've there. given you all the instructions. If you would like to do this on your own time, I suggest you do. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the mic. I'm gonna push it away towards my monitors, and we're just gonna let this rock. Okay. I fucked it up. Hold on. Damn it. <laughs> I forgot to switch we're, back to my monitor. We're dropping right, a lot go. of flags here. All right, I get it. That's that's about enough for that. You get it. <laughs> so no, I had that thought because first off, that's like a theme song that's famous for like, oh, people fucking up. Like you know, it's it's, it's this is wacky, this is goofy. Um, and then I was also like, like you, I for the for my entire life, I c- always confuse Benny Hill and Benny Hen. Benny Hen. I yes. <laughs> You are not alone. That's why when you said that, I was like trying to stifle my laughter because I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you, though, because that's exactly what I said. Well, why do I know Benny Hill's name? And you didn't say anything, which I appreciate. No, because yeah. as soon as I typed it in, I was like, wait a minute. This is that, you know, and I was like, that's why. This is exactly, yeah, you were exactly right. And yeah, I just thought that was so funny. And I told you, I texted you at work the other day because I was so excited about discovering that, that that's all I did at work for a solid hour. Just, I watched that. Like, <laughs> Uh, and I think the reason it works is because, uh, yeah, I mean, Benny Hill and Benny Hinn. I always confuse the two. Um, and I would just love to see people getting the shit kicked out of them by a church pastor <laughs> while that song is playing. <laughs> oh, I've just got, uh, yeah, I've just got Benny Hinn playing right now. Just, also, they kind of look alike, mainly because the video I'm watching was apparently recorded on a cucumber. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's well, we got just picks. Yeah, it's just pixelated enough where they kind of look alike. But yeah, no, that is it, I. I was. I'm sure you cannot hear it because I actually had my dude. That was the loudest I've ever had these studio monitors. Yeah. <laughs> really glad I broke them in. With, <laughs> but uh, it was a very funny visual. So there was, dude. It's like dark. It's like Dark Side and Wizard of Oz, dude. They just like weirdly sync up. They totally do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, there was a there was a couple <laughs> there was people like there was one woman kind of doing like a, oh, and it was like <laughs> that one got me. I was laughing pretty hard. Oh yeah, man, that is just hours of fun. So yeah, yeah. Admittedly, <laughs> you you have the recipe on how to get there. Uh, go ahead and uh, do that because it is worth your time. Yep, yep. You can be a YouTube DJ yourself. Yeah. Hey, send us one. You find one and you send it to us. And if you do this at home, just make sure record monitoring is not on so you don't almost blow out your fucking studio monitors. Absolutely. 
Which is weird. There's a lot of distance. I'm surprised it feedback that hard. That was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> that was that was intense. <laughs> All right. Now that I have significantly uh. pissed off my neighbors. <laughs> that was so stupid. No, it it, Why it, it was actually. I, I know, right? Um, but no, that was actually pretty funny. But I do I do recommend doing that at home. It was actually pretty funny. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna hop to 1991, the year the grunge broke, like we talk about. Uh, I I could be a little bit off on the dates here. Maybe Soundgarden's first album was 90, but 1991 was just the turning point mm-hmm. where it did become popular. Um. So then all of a sudden, these bands got MTV play. You know what I'm saying? They started to be on MTV. They started to be sought after. Record labels started to pick it up. This is the music genre that turned and burned so quickly. Because here's a couple things that I don't know if you know. Did you know that there was a grunge fashion line? No, but I'm not surprised. It was called Heroin Chic. Okay. Which is a fucking bummer. Because a lot of these guys died because of heroin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just put that together. Yikes. Yeah. So there was a pretty tone-death reception, but it was hot. These bands sold. Nobody wanted to listen to Metallica anymore. Nobody wanted to Molly Crew who, dude? <laughs> I want to put my flannel on and my Doc Martens and fucking <laughs> grunge, man. Um, but that's kind of literally what happened. Like it, it just so rapidly became popular MTV music videos, Kurt Cobain goes out there and, you know, is like, whatever. And everyone's like, whatever indeed. (laughs) A lot of this happened because of like the socio and economic topics at the time, basically the early nineties, Gen X, um this was the this was the first time bleeding into millennials that basically the economy was like eh, it's pretty fucking shitty out here yeah. and everybody was like cool i'm not getting anything my parents got and i'm really frustrated about that and i'm working a job that i don't like and i don't mm-hmm. want to work and then you know kirk Cobain's out there screaming his head off and they're like he might be onto something so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, but definitely the market beat it to death. Absolutely beat it to death and really doubled down on it being a trendy, popular thing. And as with most things that come from an underground sort of punk ethos, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that grunge is so incredibly punk, but it came from that ethos. Mm-hmm. You know, the DIY, do-it-yourself, that Fugazi attitude of, like, you get your buddies together, you rent out a fucking Denny's and you know you play in the break room or whatever <laughs> you know it all it all kind of like stem from that so the quickest way that you make something uncool is just start to sell it you know yeah. you just start capitalize to capitalize it baby yeah capitalism baby <laughs> man you see these computers they got 320 kilobytes of RAM we're in the future <laughs> um so yeah that definitely started to beat it down quite a bit. Um, and with the... Well, and first off, you could ask any band that was popular at the time, whatever, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, I mean, Alice in Chains, anyone. If you said the word grunge, they were like, I, I've i seen... I, I believe there's a compilation that exists on the internet 
of these bands reacting to being uh, like, yeah. so what do you think about grunge? And it's like <laughs> eye rolls and sighs and just, because they're like, we're just making music, man. We're just making rock music. We're making punk music. You know, they it, it, it already was rejected immediately in the in even 1991 in the year that it broke they because they knew it was something different than that which is why basically if i had a youtube channel and i was better at doing this i would just be like grunge the music genre that never existed and i do believe that i don't it it is just a term that that was said at one point but basically these record labels and multimedia companies latch onto that term and that's what they use to propagate the product they wanted to sell. Yeah, gotcha. So it almost kind of makes me think like um it's it's more of a it's less of a genre and more of kind of like a movement, quote unquote movement. Like so for example, when I say to you Eli, what is a very hipster band? Yeah, Arcade Fire is the one I go to. <laughs> that's all the time. you uh, I figured you were going to say that cuz we kind of started with that. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, Arcade Fire is a very hipster band. They've never called themselves hipster. Hipster is not a genre, but yeah. you know that there are bands out there that emulate the hipster movement, Arcade Fire being one. The Shins being another big one. Yeah, oh yeah, the shit. <laughs> oh man. The Shins is is the more hipster choice, <laughs> yeah, right? It really is because I'm a hipster. Right. So <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to make that connection. Yeah, actually, I think that's a wonderful connection. I think the difference is is where the hipster tag already has fallen off. Yeah. But even then, bands weren't like oh check out the new hipster band because that the term hipster kind of already had a nomenclature right that was negative grunge was very much the opposite it was like Ooh. grunge the new thing the new thing we're all into in fact i know this story and i've heard it about two or three times for whatever reason i can't remember the details but i'm going to do my best i believe Somebody at some fucking magazine in New York called up Sub Pop. Oh, wait, no. They called the receptionist for Sub Pop, who had for some reason already been fired from Sub Pop. They call her up and say, hey, we're working on this hot new grunge article. And, you know, we just want to get, like, a glossary of slang terms that we could put in there. So, you know... You know, people really understand what the hell everyone's talking about. And this receptionist, God bless her, went, okay. (laughs) So she proceeded to make up all these terms, like about grunge. Oh, yeah. In the scene. And she would, she, I mean, and I, you know what? This is the only thing that I wish I would have dug deeper into because I do remember some of them. They are hilarious, dude. That sounds like it. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> gobbledygook, man. It's gibberish. And they're just, oh, yeah, interesting. And they published this article with the grunge glossary. God. Uh, Dink and Flicka. Yeah, it's, you know. <laughs> Put the pussy on the chain wax. You know, it's it's shit like that. You know, just just utter nonsensical bullshit. Fleece it out. <laughs> Fleece it out. Zip it up and zip it out. Zippity da do da do you. So I mean, just just nonsensical shit. But like, as well as there being a fashion line that was like heroin chic was, which is yeah. It, you know, in Zoolander 
where they come up with the fashion line where it's about like home, like Derelik. Yeah, right. It's that. That's the joke they're making. It For is sure. is to the heroin chic. Like that's the that's the joke that they're making. <laughs> so you know all this stuff at this point. It it was getting beat to death, and the way I actually think that Pearl Jam is the greatest barometer for alternative music at that time. And here's why. So they came out with 10. It's pretty commercial. When you listen to 10, you listen to Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It's like kind of in your face, you know, obviously like Eddie Vedder singing about God knows what we didn't really know what the fuck he was saying then or now, to be honest with you. And you couldn't Google the lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. You you had to go through the liner notes. He's like, he's not saying that, you know, you don't even believe him. Yeah. Right. Um, Their second album versus much darker. Then all of a sudden it sounded raw and real and Eddie Vedder's uh-huh. not really singing as much. He's screaming more, you know. And then by the time you get to Vitology, you know, Vitology is in around the time of Vitology is around the time that they boycotted Ticketmaster. So really anti-commercial sound, even though it has like Better Man on it. Mm-hmm. It has one of their, you know, most popular songs. Um, but Pearl Jam, I think actually, because they're pretty much the band that is still pretty much in intact from that era of music is Pearl Jam. So they did do something right. Uh, cause they are still around, still trying to release kick-ass rock music. I have the mm-hmm. utmost respect for Pearl Jam, even though early Eddie Vedder does get a little goofy <laughs> on tape. Yeah. <laughs> but they're unplugged is, I would say, I'm going to say it. I think it's better than Nirvana's Unplugged. Oh, he went there. He went there. God damn, he went there. (laughs) Nirvana's Unplugged is iconic. Pearl Jam's Unplugged is something different. But I do think Pearl Jam's Unplugged is a little bit less of a bummer to listen to. Okay. (laughs) um, But anyways, so here's where... So what I'm going to talk about is there's three people that died that I think helped everyone kind of sober up, everyone take a step back and go, you know what? I think that something might be wrong here. Um, Andy Wood from Mother of Love Bone died. Um, Lane Stanley, and I'm not doing these in order. I'm just talking about them. Mm-hmm. Lane Stanley from Alice in Chains died. And obviously Kirk Cobain from Nirvana died. Um and I actually think that these three guys were the most important people in alternative rock music in the late 80s, early 90s. I think mm-hmm. it is Andy Wood from Mother Love Bone, Lane Stanley from Alice Chains, and Kirk Cobain from Nirvana. I think these guys were all doing something slightly different. Andy Wood with Mother Love Bone was kind of still writing the 80s hair metal and glam metal with his showmanship and the way that he would just really project himself, but they were singing about very emotional things. Uh, Lane Stanley, a little bit more on the metal side. I think one of the most, like, I only want to say underrated because nobody talks about him. This dude's voice is insane. The only person that I think is a better singer than him is Chris Cornell. Yeah. Uh, he's the only one that I think is a better singer. And even then, there's stuff Lane Stanley d- can do that Chris Cornell cannot. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And Alice in Chains was a little bit heavier, a little bit more metal influence. When you listen to Alice in Chains, it kind of sounds metal. 
Uh, and then obviously Kirk Cobain. I mean, he was the songwriter. He was the sort of the gentle soul of it all. And I think Kirk Cobain, you know, the reason that, you know, people go back like the spokesman of grunge, the spokesman mm-hmm. of, of uh, Generation X. I mean, part of it is true because what when, when you watch interviews with Kirk Cobain, he's a soft, very gentle man. He's not angry. He's, he's very soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. very quiet and then he gets up on a stage with a you know in front of 10,000 people and Nova Selix you know mm-hmm. Dave rolls back there being the Tasmanian devil and he's screaming his head off and it's I, I fucking insane I, to me nothing that's ever been emulated since mm-hmm. but then yeah. you talk to the guy and he's shy he's introverted you right. know right you know, so well. I mean, I think there's a really, really cool dichotomy between like, and we talked about this before, like what's going on in the '80s hair metal girls, girls, girls. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to Kurt Cobain, which is the complete opposite of girls, girls, girls. It's I'm, you know, I I have issues and I want to talk about them in a serious way. Um, here's a song about raping a girl, and <laughs> it's kind of insane when you think about the difference between the two. I I think that's what it uh, that's what it is. If there was like a gauge, it would have went 180. It yeah. would have went from empty to full or full to empty, however you want to look at it. It went from one side of the spectrum to the complete other. Mm-hmm. And I and one, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of people who are very talented musically and they kind of shit on the grunge guys. They're like Kurt Cobain sucked at guitar. And I'm like, fuck you. No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. He defined a fucking generation. He's the reason we still talk about grunge. Yeah. Why does that make him a bad guitarist? Because he didn't play fucking arpeggios? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, fuck you. That's not what I and I and Obviously, this is where it comes from. This is this is my shit. And, yeah, some of these guys weren't virtuosos. But some mm-hmm. of them are incredible musicians. I think Kirk, yeah. Kirk Cobain was not a great guitar player, technically. But if you see anybody analyze his chord progressions, it's jazz, by the way, which mm-hmm. is fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. It's basically like a lot of his shit is like jazz chords progressions. Huh. That blows my mind. I was not aware of that. But also one of the things about being a good musician is knowing where you sit in the band. Like that's that's the reason people talk shit about Thank Ringo Starr is because he's not doing anything too crazy. Yeah, because he also has Paul McCartney and John Lennon in his band. So... They're kind of, they're doing the crazy shit. He can kind of keep, and he's a great drummer. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but he doesn't have to do anything crazy. All he has to do is keep a beat and he does really well. He does some interesting stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But he knows his place in the band. Same with Meg White. Yep. People say people shit on her as a drummer. It's a two person band and Jack White's the front man. Like, what do you, (laughs) what do you want to do? (laughs) I think Ringo Starr is one of the greatest drummers that have ever lived. And to be honest with you, I feel the same way about Meg White. Yeah. Um, And and that probably will sound super silly to people, but it's just like, it's not, man. You know what I saw? So I watched a live video of the White Stripes, right? And they were doing Icky Thump. And I saw Meg White hitting those drums. And I finally figured out what I think she does that is so different that actually gives her a feel and a sound that nobody else can do. So a lot of times when you hit a snare drum or you hit a drum, you let the stick bounce, mm-hmm. right? So you could go in for the next hit, right. right? Even if you're playing a real simple beat, 
you know, you're keeping it light. You're keeping it loose. Mm-hmm. Meg White does not. You know what she does with that stick when she hits that fucking snare? Just leaves it right leaves there. Leaves it right there <laughs> until she's ready to pick it up and flack it again. I, I, now that you say that, I can totally hear that. Like, in my mind, I'm listening to, like, the, even the crash cymbal. It's just like... There's... Yeah, there, it's... It, she doesn't let the drum be a drum in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. She doesn't let it resonate. She kind of mutes it with the stick. Yeah. And I huh. saw it live. And I'm not saying she did that every time, 100% per, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, perfectly. But I saw it one, I saw it enough on that song, and it was one of the later White Stripes performances, and I'm like... Fuck. <laughs> and and because the drums sounded amazing. And that's my whole thing. It's just, you know, but but I think that Kurt Cobain was a genius songwriter. And I think he was actually pretty decent at guitar. Uh, I think that he used to do this bit where he would play Eruption from Van Halen, but he would continually fuck it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and make it worse and worse <laughs> over time. Right. But he, he could play it. Yeah, so that's I, crazy. I don't think he's a bad guitarist by any means. I think Matt Cameron is one of the most under, underrated drummers of all mm-hmm. time because he has a really, he just has a weird way of doing fills and beats. It's so syncopated to the point that it sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think Chris Cornell might be one of the greatest singers that have ever lived. Oh, absolutely. So, 100% agree. I don't think you get to just be like, well, they're grunge and it's about turning your amp up to. 10 and wearing a flannel and stomping around it's like no not at all some of these you know musicians are some of the greatest ever you know we just it, it's just they're not technically virtuosos they're not mm-hmm. you know but i don't know that's how i feel about it but um uh yeah and then with that grunge kind of fucking ended bush came out New Radicals came out. Smashing Pumpkins came out, and uh, Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. We do this all day. <laughs> it all come, and some of it is great. Hootie and the Blowfish. God. <laughs> sure, sure, actually, because even you know, Darius Rucker kind of sounds like any better. <laughs> I only want to be. I've never made that connection, but you're kind of right. <laughs> Same thing. If I was doing a Darius Rucker impression, it wouldn't be far off from my Eddie Vedder impression. <laughs> right. <laughs> my Eddie Vedder impression sounds exactly like my Scott Stapp impression. Hey, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure everyone's does. <laughs> so, you know, then people started calling it, stopped calling it grunge and called it alternative rock. Alternative, yeah. But to me... My my point is basically summing up kind of the outline of how grunge happened. To me, it was never grunge. It was always alternative rock. In my personal opinion, I think it's more respectful to talk about these guys in the context of rock. I don't think it was a gimmick. Well, actually, I'll say this. I know it wasn't a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Okay. These guys grew up in the early 90s or in the, you know, the 80s in Seattle, uh, on the East Coast, they they all they came from all different walks of life. Like Eddie Vedder grew was fucking living in San Diego, surfing every day. Yeah, you know that's not grunge, man. Right? Does that make him any fucking less cool? No, not at all. That that dude still is torn with fucking Pearl Jam with mm-hmm. almost the original lineup. You, you know, it just. I have trouble talking to people about grunge because I think they just have that image in their head. 
1991 and 92 with the flannels mm. and the, the hoo ha ha, yeah, long <laughs> hair, emotions. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not saying that that wasn't part of it. But when you listen to people talk about being a part of this scene, they're like, yeah, we wore flannels because they were at the Goodwill for like $2. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know what I mean? It was literally a genre built on necessity. Yeah. And not of choice. And to me, that's why I fuck with it. I think it's one of the most rawest, uncommercial, not really meant to be there except like, man, I love the Beatles, but God damn, do I love Bad Brains. Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> Make this genre of music. And right. And I think because of all those bands, admittedly, yeah, we have really shitty bands. I'm not going to lie. Three Doors Down <laughs> kind of is because of grunge. I'm, I'm well aware. But grunge kept rock going at a time when Tom Petty was using drum machines, when music had turned into such an over-commercialized, overproduced thing that at least it got popular enough to make kids go, I don't want to play Foreigner. I want to play yeah. Nirvana. Yeah. And uh, not that Foreigner is the devil. I'm just saying <laughs> we need both. We need both in rock music, man. We need that commercial edge, you know, sound that's going to sell the records, and we need those kids in a fucking garage just really who don't sound good for a very long time but <laughs> yeah you know maybe one day they're the fucking kings of leon because that's Ooh. one of my favorite examples is kings of leon to me they're just a modern fucking grunge band uh interesting that is a whole other podcast episode sure but you know <laughs> i guess i just uh, I, I don't know much about kings of leon but I, I i'm just throwing out bands that i know sounded vastly different from when they started to where they're at now mm-hmm. and also authenticity. You know, I don't think the Kings of Leon really walked around like, yeah, we're the fucking Kings of Leon. Well, so did Nirvana. That's the whole thing too, is like a lot of people, my, my least favorite thing is that people say that Kurt Cobain didn't want to be famous. It's a fucking lie. He wanted to be a rock. He wanted to be cool, man. It, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to do it in the way that like Motley Crue did. He wanted right. to do it on his own terms, and he did. And then he realized this was a mistake. But yeah. it didn't stop his intentions. He he wasn't making all the music and you know doing all this stuff in Nirvana and having like eight different drummers before he even get to Dave Grohl because he wanted to just play in some bar the rest of his life. He mm-hmm. wanted to be a musician, and he did. And he defined an era. And then he went, I fucked up. Because he just it, yeah. he didn't know the details after the fact, and once he found them, he was like, "Yeah, I don't know what to do." And unfortunately, yeah. he had experimented with drugs most of his life, and he mm-hmm. kept going back to heroin, and he had a lot of undiagnosed pain. Yada yada yada. There's something authentic in that era of music that I don't think that you get, and I think it's hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I, I fuck with it and it's my favorite. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, um, in your opinion, are there any bands currently putting out albums that kind of like emulate either the quote unquote grunge sound or movement still? My favorites are Kurt Vile. Um, okay, yeah. And Wet Leg. 
Uh, Cor- okay. Courtney Barnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are all people making very aggressive. Um, I guess when I say aggressive, what I mean by that, because obviously it's not Slayer, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess what I mean by aggressive is just that it's guitar-driven music with punctual, um, intense... I, I mean, it's it's coming from somewhere, and it's something that you do feel. And uh, Kurt Vile is kind of Neil Younging the whole thing. Like, I'm really hoping that there are going to be a lot of bands that are like, yeah, I fucking listen to Kurt Vile, and now I make this really cool shit. I'm, yeah. I, I kind of feel that with him because he's all over the place sonically. Um, but yeah, Wet Leg, uh, female band, also a big part of grunge, which I do have a couple more things I do have to get through. But that was the, okay. that was the outline yeah. of everything. But in Courtney Barnett, um, fucking awesome. I love Courtney Barnett. I saw her do her set on SNL. It was like two or three years ago. Yeah. But it blew my mind. I was like, holy fuck, that's it. That's <laughs> that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's punk. It's yeah. metal. It's rock. It's honest. It's sincere. Why 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 does why doesn't everybody listen to it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know that's that's how I feel. But yeah, I, that's those are the three that instantly come to mind. But honestly. Honestly, Jay Roddy in the business. Oh hell yeah, love that. I'd love to hear it. I think they're pretty fucking grungy, man. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's bluesy. It's a bluesy side of everything, but it sounds pretty mm-hmm. fucking grungy to me. Yeah, uh, a lot of people call Billie Eilish grunge. Would you agree with that? Um, with the nomenclature, sure. I'd I'd say she's Kurt Cobain in this whole fucking thing because you yeah. know what you know what she did is you know she's showing she's showing young girls that you don't have to you can wear whatever you want. Mm-hmm. In Billie Eilish's case, it's baggy clothes. Yeah, you can write songs that are scary, mm-hmm. and you could be the bad guy. Just because yeah. you're a girl doesn't mean you have to be anything other than the bad guy. Which mm-hmm. that song is a little annoying to hear now, but I really <laughs> yeah, love right. it because well, she does have some songs that are more grunge sounding songs. Not so much in the first album, but like in the Happier Than Ever album, the yes. song Happier Than Ever. That if you listen to that front to back, it is a guitar driven grunge song. At the end, it's really emotional. She's like screaming. That song fucking slaps. Yeah, and I I think that that's grunge. Yeah, I I agree, and I think her <laughs> quiet songs are basically just something in the way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the whole thing, man. It's, you know, grunge wasn't based on just being loud. Some of the Mm -hmm. best grunge songs are the acoustic shit. And every single grunge band that didn't unplug fucking rocked. Yeah. Nirvana's was great. Pearl Jam's was great. Alice in Chains was fucking great. Uh, Mm -hmm. Stone Temple Pilots, even though I've come to learn that apparently they were an industry plant, which really bums me out. Yeah. This is not this is news to me. I'm a little shaky on the details. I don't think they're quite as authentic as some of the other bands and okay. had a pretty wonky career, I think, because of it. Yeah, I gotcha. Um okay. but I <laughs> I you put on Interstate Love Song right now, I'm singing every word. Absolutely. So yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Um but yeah, that's what I think. Sweet. Is that, is that, is that it? Yeah, now we're going to do some fun stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
I put some fun bands and interesting guys and gals. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so the first up, Mad Season. Do you know about Mad Season? I do not. Fill me in. Super group with Mike McCready from Pearl Jam, Lane Stanley from Alice in Chains, uh, Barrett Martin of Screaming Trees, and bassist John Baker Sanders. Oh, okay. They did Mad Season, and I think that Mad Season might be one of the most fucking underrated bands to have ever lived. Like, honest to God, they are incredible. They went and did a live set, and you can find it on YouTube. I forget the theater that they did it in. Mitch, it is some of the best live performance I have ever seen. Lane Stanley plays guitar, so not only is he Lane Stanley and just doing this crazy vocal range, he's mm-hmm. playing fucking guitar. It's yeah. awesome, man. It's so good. Wow. And I think Mad Season sounds grungier than fucking most bands, honestly. Yeah. Um, love that. Obviously, I think the most famous one, Temple of the Dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? But let's just love Temple of the Dog. let's just read the names. Stone Gossard on guitar, Jeff Amon on bass, Mike McCready on lead guitar, Matt Cameron on drums, Eddie Vedder, Chris Cornell. I'm going hungry, baby. That's so good, dude. Yeah. it's that, And I'm so glad they never did anything else. That one yeah. Temple of the Dog album is so good. Perfect. It's yeah. so good. And I think that that might be the best time capsule of grunge at that time. Um, and that was before 10. So at that time, people were hearing Eddie Vedder. Oh, who's Eddie Vedder? Who's Eddie Vedder? In the next year, he's out there. Gonna concrete. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Love that. Um. This guy might be my favorite dude to come from this era of music. I don't even know how to say his name properly. It's Alan Johannes. Okay. He's Chilean. So anybody who understands that might know how to say his name so this guy was in a band called chain reaction and the drummer was jack irons who was a founding member of red hot chili peppers oh okay by the way maybe could have done us a favor there but (laughs) nonetheless he has worked on so the the main band he was in is a band called 11 which is very good Definitely check out Eleven. Um, but he has worked with Queens of the Stone Age, Them Crooked Vultures, PJ oh. Harvey, Chris Cornell, Arctic Monkeys, and Mark Langan in the Desert Sessions. Damn. Yeah. This dude fucking slap. This dude is my guitar playing. Because he was in the band Eleven, which I knew a little bit better than I realized when I finally went back and listened to him. I was like, oh, wait, I know this band. He worked on Chris Cornell's first solo album, Euphoria Morning, and actually contributed a lot musically to that album. Uh, then he just fucking went on and was like, hey, I'm the touring guitarist for live, for fucking them Crooked Vultures. That's insane. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. It, dude is fucking the man. And he's just this big, kind of slightly chubby, bald Chilean man. <laughs> and he's nice. And everybody from those grunge bands fucking loves that guy. Yeah. The only wow. other one is Danny Clinch. So Danny Clinch was a photographer in that era. And also James Cameron also hung around all because James Cameron did the movie singles. 
with uh I'm not I'm not familiar. Um Oh wow, really? Okay. So this is interesting. So sorry, let me just pull up the movie singles. So James Cameron, Danny Clinch were doing a lot of the sort of uh photography at that time. And Wait, you are talking about James Cameron of Avatar and Titanic. That James Cameron was a grunge photographer? Oh, hold on. I'm so sorry. It's Cameron Crowe. <laughs> okay. Cameron Crowe. Okay, gotcha. I'm so that... sorry. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, wait, he. I thought he was doing like Titanic around the same time. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. It's Cameron Crowe. I'm a little embarrassed, but also would have been oh. fucking sick. <laughs> What a what a plot twist! Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Wait, wasn't uh, Cameron Crowe? Uh, it sounds familiar. He was a director, right? Didn't he do? Um... Yeah, we're getting there. I'm go- I'm gonna go ahead and do okay. this for you. So yes, Cameron Crowe, the director, who did Almost Famous, Jerry that's Maguire, thought, yeah. Vanilla Sky. Um, he also did. Those were his big ones. Um, he also did Say Anything, and he did Fast Times, the TV okay. show. That's a bu- Oh, no, he did the screenplay for the movie, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Big, big movie director. Yeah. Great movies. Fast Time, Ridgemont High, and uh, Say Anything. Awesome. You like Say Anything, right? I do like Say Anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like, uh, I like uh, Almost Famous more. Yeah. Yeah. I almost said High Fidelity. That's not Cameron Crowe. Yeah, but I did also almost say the same thing. So I'm connecting both of those movies for some reason. But they both have John Cusack. Uh, is John Cusack in Almost Famous? No, no, no. Uh, not not Almost Famous, but uh, fucking Say Anything. Boombox scene. Oh, That's yes, say yes. You are right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So anyways, my bad. Cameron Crowe. But Cameron Crowe, Danny Clinch doing all the doing all the work for the zines or or just hanging out with their buds but Danny Clinch um did a documentary about Blind Melon and also in the Skin and Bones live you know album and movie for Foo Fighters he played the harmonica wow so he's hmm. just he's just a part of these guys did not know that you know yeah go ahead oh are you going to uh, are you going to talk about the? You talked about Neil Young earlier. He did an album with Pearl Jam as the backing band. Oh, he did Mirrorball. Yes, and you know what's really goofy, and I have no idea why. I've never listened to the album. Are you serious? Yep. I've only seen the live stuff from that tour. It's pretty good album. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking sure. Because basically, like, Pearl Jam is on record as, like, the only reason we still make music is because of Neil Young. Yeah. So I, I actually don't know how I'd never listen to the album. That is insane to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I will probably do that very soon, though, because I did. Cause you know what it is? I can never you remember the it. name of the album. And it's not like yeah. when you scroll through Spotify, it's, like, also featuring Pearl Jam. You know, I know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. They go decently uncredited. That's fair. I mean, yeah, they do go decently uncredited. And also, like, as much as I do like Neil Young, he has so many fucking albums. And a lot of them are not listenable, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I, I fuck with Neil Young pretty hard. I'm not saying <laughs> but, you're wrong. I'm just saying, okay. personally, I'm probably not the guy to... I, I, I 
Okay. <laughs> I'll find something good about every Neil Young album. See, I feel like I'm a poser because like I do like Neil Young, but I like maybe two or three albums as and I know he's put out what 30, 40 albums probably. <laughs> he puts out albums <laughs> like a magazine subscription Absolutely. like 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um well, we'll see. Maybe I'll do a deep dive in his catalog and I'll let you know if there's a bad Neil Young album, but I'm pretty biased. I'm going to pretty much like it all. Yeah. Um, oh, God, this went on way too long. I've got some all-female <laughs> bands. or Well, fem- I have some female-led grunge bands and some grunge bands you never heard of that you should listen to when we're calling it a day, all right? Okay. We're going to go quick. <laughs> female bands that you should definitely fucking check out. That was one of the best parts of grunge was all the fucking kick-ass women. One of the reasons I like Wet Leg uh, is Ooh. because they're kind of just doing fucking punky grunge music, and they're and they're girls, and they're funny, and they're yeah fucking rock and kick ass. <laughs> uh, bands <laughs> at that time: L Seven, Garbage, Bikini Kill, Babes oh, in yeah. Toyland, Ver- Veruca Salt. My personal favorite: Seven Year Bitch. Okay. Seven Year Bitch, her music is borderline unlistenable because of how badly <laughs> it's produced. Oh, but I love it, man. It's a good kind of bad. I love Seven Year Bitch. Um, some grunge bands that you definitely, I, I would probably bet large sums of money you've never listened to and you should absolutely check out. Uh, Screaming, Te- Screaming Trees, Tad, Paul, Mother Love Bone, Dickless, and a band called Bam Bam which is actually, I'm pretty sure it goes all the way back to the late 60s, which actually they are kind of pretty much credited as being the band that invented grunge mm. with a female lead singer because fuck you. That's really cool. Actually, so I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about kind of the history of grunge. And one of the guys was like, oh yeah, Bam Bam invented grunge. And I was like, it's and they're like it's a band you've probably never heard of and I did go and listen to like a song or two and I was like yeah this is really fucking good so I was actually kind of thinking like he's probably not going to talk about Bam Bam that's like super under that that's super underground that like but I'm just I'm surprised that you and I both know who Bam Bam is <laughs> and, and and honestly I mean full disclosure it was the last year for me this isn't a band that yeah. I grew up with or I knew about beforehand right. this is you know the podcast and trying to be more of a music nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I listened to it and I was like, what year did this come out? Cause it could have been 91. I swear to God. Absolutely. Like that's what he said on the podcast. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. yeah it, they, they were absolutely ahead of their time, but like, you know, screaming trees has great songs. Um, they're really cool. Kind of lighter. Tad. Tad is like your drunk uncle at like a funeral. Okay. That's kind of the vibe <laughs> of Tad, but it's a good time. You're having yeah. fun. What about um, for female-led bands? You did not mention Garbage. No, I said... Should we throw... Oh, you did say Garbage? Yeah. L7, okay. Garbage, Bikini Kill, okay. Babes and Sorry, Toyland. never mind. Okay. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Shit. Never mind. I just wasn't listening. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> and, and now I will say, it's not that I've listened to every, every one of these bands yeah. in their full catalog. My personal favorites, I love Veruca Salt. I really fucking love that band. I don't know why. I love Bikini Kill. I love L7. I like Garbage. I haven't listened, but mm. also Garbage had a uh, uh, Mr. Butch Vig. Butch Vig. 
Yeah, that's pretty much the only reason I even know who Garbage is because of the Butch Vig connection. Oh, fair. They do have yeah. some tunes. I like Garbage. Garbage. They do. Yeah. yeah, Garbage is a little bit more ethereal. It's a little bit more vibey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which sometimes I like, sometimes I don't. And honestly, grunge bands used to listen to. I'm gonna be a hundred percent transparent. There's a band called Dickless. I've never listened to them. <laughs> I'm gonna assume it's mainly women, and that's hilarious. That is that's amazing. So everyone go ahead they and bump win. their plays. Name alone. <laughs> I wanna I wanna Kate Bush dickless. You know what I mean? Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I don't think we have that kind of pull though. <laughs> yeah, no shit. All right. I feel like I just blacked out for like an hour. Cause I've been kind of rehearsing this, I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, but I wanted to take this one seriously. I was like, I gotta I gotta talk about it from a different point of view than anybody else can hear. Sure. Um, yeah. I did have a, a couple things to shout out. Uh, there was two YouTube videos that really helped me kind of organize my thoughts. One of them is Shoegaze and Grunge Compared by Stained Glass Stories on YouTube. Oh, I will have to check that out because I love Shoegaze. I was actually thinking about doing an episode on Shoegaze. We definitely can. Shoegaze to me is boring grunge, but I also fuck with Shoegaze. Ah. Okay. Yeah, I fuck with shoegaze. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, and then the other one is Before Nevermind, How Grunge Became Grunge by Trash Theory on YouTube. And and mm-hmm. to me, uh, the reason I clicked on that video is because of that. Because it said Before Nevermind, How Grunge Became yeah. Grunge. And I was like, see, that's right. what I'm kind of looking for, that thread. Trying to go in for. Yeah. yeah, that's the thread. But um, that's all I got, Mitch. Um, that's pretty much everything. Um, yeah, there is a yeah. shit ton more that I could talk about. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to throw in? Anything? Any questions or anything that like you felt I didn't cover? I mean, no, man. I think you did a pretty good job covering it. And um, yeah, mostly like the biggest thing I was excited about hearing you talk about is like just the fact that you knew, and especially what I love about grunge is like. Like you mentioned, with like Temple of the Dog and Mother Love Bone, everybody was playing in everybody's bands, and it has such a community aspect that you don't really see anymore. Um, and that's what intrigues me, one of the like the most about it. Um, and you covered that pretty well. And um, yeah, and I did, you know, I, I I also had that question about like, you know, who if there's any modern band still doing grunge. Um, I really like. Who do you? Okay, so like vibe and like aesthetic aside is there a band that you do think sounds like oh yeah that sounds like nirvana or that sounds like alice in chains or that sounds like soundgarden is there anybody doing it nowadays i think the trouble i have with uh, what you asking that question i don't have a good answer but here's why is because whether it's aesthetic or whatever you said, I still would say the same three people. I would yeah, say Curvile, gotcha. Wet Leg, and Courtney Barnett. Yeah, true. And, and and it's not that because what grunge did invent was butt rock or jock rock mm-hmm. or you know for every Wet Leg that we have, we have a Godsmack. Yeah, to- totally. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Sonically, I would say I haven't heard a lot of bands. I think that I could probably pull up Spotify right now and spend like 20 minutes scrolling through and find because I have heard mm-hmm. a few. Um, you know what? You're this is a curveball for you. 
and I'm a little bit worried about bringing it up this late in the episode. There is one band that I actually think kind of did a lot of it, and that's Muse. Oh, okay. Okay. Three-piece. Muse gets a little proggy. Don't get me wrong. But uh, some of Muse's earlier stuff, I'm like, uh, yeah, this kind of fucking sounds like Soundgarden. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, like, okay, this is a little Nirvana-y. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't really done a deep dive on Muse, but I know that like that's I I am intrigued to hear you say that because I'll, what I know about Muse is that their later stuff is like way over polished, which is completely the opposite of like raw and garage and yeah. grunge. So, yeah, I, I, uh, that early area when Fuse kind of hit, and I and I production doesn't make it not grunge. I mean, I'll be hundred percent honest there because actually in Utero, it was incredibly raw less produced but in the same way Mm -hmm. when you start to strip away effects and racks of effects and stuff like that you're kind of still overproducing it just in a different Mm -hmm. way because now yeah totally yeah you know you're just you're stripping it all away so it sounds big open and raw but that's a sound right like Mm -hmm. so it's still produced but um i actually think jay roddy uh in the business uh, that guy's scream is the closest scream I've ever heard to Kurt Cobain. That's fantastic. That's one of the wow. reasons I fuck yeah. with him is just like when he yeah. like heavy bells. I know that's a very basic song to be into J. Roddy. Yeah. It's one of my favorite J. Roddy songs. But that's the thing so. though is when you hear it and he does that, you know, heavy bells, heavy. It, I mean, it's it, to me it it mm-hmm. sounds like Kurt Cobain. I'm also yeah. very mad. The only person I've ever heard sing like Kurt Cobain enough to actually trick me is jared leto and i'm whoa that's weird. yeah he did this really <laughs> weird artsy shit where he just dressed up and tried to look and sing like kurt cobain and he even learned how mm. to play guitar left-handed i wow. fucking hate jared leto but it's yeah. incredible <laughs> uh well I, we don't have to get into it too deep but um sure. Not to bring up every conversation, not to bring every conversation back to Weezer, but I'm going to shoehorn it in a little bit here and say um, Weezer's Pinkerton album is to me very grunge and they don't do anything like that since Um, the blue album is kind of like poppier grunge. and I feel like that's one of the biggest, if you want to look at kind of like the opposite of, well, you mentioned like the the trajectory of Pearl Jam and how, you know, their their albums have sounded different every time, but they're still doing kind of what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there's been a huge trajectory in Weezer's career where they're, almost every album sounds different. But as you listen to their progression, it gets more commercial and more commercial and to the point where I just kind of kind of am not interested anymore. Um, And that's interesting to me because like people don't think about Weezer as a grunge band, but like Pearl Jam or uh, Pinkerton and a few songs on Blue Album are incredibly in your face guitar riven rock that's kind of like sad content lyrically um and also his whole aesthetic he wore a lot of flannel and striped shirts and this nerdy guy that had glasses and um he wrote a song about D D, and that's ca- also kind of like metal too so i don't know i'm rambling 
I just wanted to bring in Rivers Cuomo because it wouldn't be an episode without Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> yeah, you, you are correct. Um, no, it's like you said, we don't have to get too deep into it. But like my only thought is like personally, I think the Blue Album is more grungy. And the, oh, okay. and, and the yeah. reason being is because I, mean, I, I think that's the thing is I don't think that grunge is a sonic, is a musical thing that you condense down to the way you play guitar. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it's supposed to be. It grew out of that, but when grunge did break, because when you listen to Pearl Jam, if you listen to the album 10, like if you listen to Alive, and then you listen to Nirvana's like territorial pissings, they couldn't be more fucking different. Right. And I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is like, I don't, I don't want to be like grunge was a state of mind, man, but there was an authenticity that you needed to bring to the table. And we've talked right. about it, and I give Weezer a lot of shit. I, I'm a, and I am a little bit upset that you're that they are your favorite band, just because <laughs> they deserve a lot of shit for the stuff they've been doing lately. They really do. However, well, they leaned into the commercial aspect hardcore, and I don't understand they, why. They embraced it, and they never looked back, and I never forgave them for that. Because <laughs> I think the Blue Album, and I do think with Pinkerton. These are some, I I think Rivers Cuomo was carrying the torch a little bit. He kept it going. I'm telling you, I fucking love Weezer. I don't have this big issue. It's it's just you get to where they're at now, and I'm just mad, and it just sounds like dad rock, and not even good dad rock. It's not even he went into like a new sphere like the band. It's It just sucks. It just all sucks. And well, because he embraced that commercial aspect, he realized, oh, I can write a song that will be memed or I'm trending on Twitter like with kids. So I'm going to put out a whole album of covers because the song Africa by Toto is like ironic and we're just going to do that. And like kids will love it. And like we're going to do a song with Kermit the Frog from the Muppets, yeah. and they, which they really did. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and that's and, and look, I'm not. I don't have that clout. I don't have that following. I don't know the decisions that I would make. I would just like to think at the end of the day, I would still kind of be Pearl Jam. Because Mm -hmm. in 2002, they came out with their self-titled album that was so fucking against the Bush administration, they would go do a show and get booed off stage. Truth. They would have fucking Mm -hmm. firemen throw beers at them when they did Bush League. <laughs> like if they, I, I just, I want to be Pearl Jam. I don't want to be Weezer. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I want to be, nope, I get that. I, I want to be 55 <laughs> and be like, Joe Biden sucks dick. <laughs> and here's why, you know? And I, I just, I just, I want to do that. I don't want to be like, Hey, wouldn't it be funny? If I went back to Harvard <laughs> right. or whatever bullshit. Sorry. I'm yeah. I love Weezer. No, that's fair. That's we fair. know. We know. That's fair. I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> um I as as your bud, I want Weezer to do better for you as a diehard. And, and they've come out with good albums in the past ten years. It's not that they mm-hmm. haven't. I just God do I want them to just come out with the the fucking one, you know, the one to really redeem. Yeah. Some of these right. really bad albums. <laughs> I just don't know if we're going to get it. Yeah. But, okay. Anyways, that's 
a lot. Hey, I appreciate you sitting through this. This was a oh, lot. Oh, absolutely, man. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love I it. I appreciate that. Um, I, I really do. I, I am passionate about this. I'd like to think I'm passionate in a way where I want you to step into my world, not just throw information at you. You know, I want you yeah. to see, like, why just these guys mean so much to me. And, and you know, I was born in 1992. It's not like I – I mean, I grew up with the music because my parents listened to it because mm-hmm. um, it was so kind of relevant you know, around that time. But, um, you know, it's not like I was, you know, 16 and like, I got to see Kurt Cobain, you know, play a live show. It's just like, when I heard this music, it, it, it's the reason I play guitar. It's a reason I play music. It's the reason that we're sitting here talking about music is these guys. They Mm -hmm. were the guys who look like me. They were the guys who talk and thought and read the same books that I do and listen to the same Mm -hmm. bands that I do. And I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like it's, it's different for me. It's different for me than I think a lot of people. Yeah. I I completely get that man. And I, I kind of, I mean, I kind of feel similarly about it. Um, although admittedly I, I got into it way later than you did because my parents weren't cool enough to listen to it. But when I did eventually discover it at like an angsty 17, 18 year old, um, yeah, it totally changed everything. Like that's, what's so fun about it, man. There's something about it. And I just, I really hope 2030, like I, 20, 30 years from now, we're going to be old men still doing this fucking thing, and there'll be kids like, yeah, Nirvana's cool. And it, it just, yeah. that would be like the coolest thing. Cause I'm like, you're right. Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> Please keep listening to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, dig it. All right, Mitch. Well, uh, Mitch, besides me rambling on for like eight hours about grunge, what you been I drinking? am glad you asked. Uh, MGMT. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop. If you do it again, I'm, okay. I'm just done. Uh, no, okay. So I actually haven't listened to another band this week. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Uh, there is a group um, that put out a new album. Uh, I'll just, just Depending on when you're listening, it could have been a week ago. It could have been two weeks ago. Um, there's a band called The War and Treaty that I really like. The War and Treaty. Um, oh, okay. I thought it was like the Warren Commission. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird name for sure. But um, they are this really cool throwback, almost kind of neo-soul. Um, I'm going back to my neo-soul roots again on this one. Um, sure, sure. They are uh, just... Yeah, a guy and a girl um, that put out this uh, neo-soul kind of R&B music. But it's also, like, weirdly has a lot of southern gospel roots. Um, oh, okay. That's They put out this album this uh, past couple weeks ago called Lover's Game. And before I even listened to it, um, the album cover, just do me a favor, look it up. The album cover for Lover's okay. Game by the Warren, the Warren Treaty. Warren Beatty. <laughs> Warren Beatty, yes, exactly. War or Beatty. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. That so close. Been... God, <laughs> I could have got it right and it would have been funny. And I was typing in Warren. <laughs> God damn it. War and Treaty. Lover's, Lover's Game. Game. Lover's Game. The album cover, I'll explain it to the listeners, is a straight up just 
uh, throwback to Diana Ross and Marvin Gaye. Um, it has those type of like soul 70s vibe. Um, it's, it does that thing. where So the album cover is just like the girl staring face forward. And then the other guy in the band is like covering up half her face, staring to the right like they did in like Hall of Notes. But also like Diana Ross and Marvin Gaye absolutely did that. Um, sure. I, I had two different album covers and all. Oh, uh, okay. So the other one looks more like a live one where literally she's dressed up as Diana Ross and he's in a yellow, like, country suit jacket. With oh, yeah, I hat. see that one, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a husband and wife team. Their name is Michael Trotter and Tanya Blount oh. Trotter. Um, but yeah, man, they're super good They're They have kind of like this, like, like I said, Southern gospel country roots. Um, it says they've actually opened for Al Green, Brandy Carlisle and Jason Isbell. So, um, kind of a weird wow. cross over there, okay. but, um, yeah, just check out their new album. Uh, it's called the lover's game and it is really good. It's this bluesy kind of Southern R and B soul gospel. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. That's, that's fucking cool. Okay. Awesome. What about you? Um, what you been so- thinking? Yeah, so I've been cranking this band called Sump. Okay. <laughs> they are spelled S-U-M-P-P. Of course. So I'm a little bit bored. I'm on Facebook. I'm scrolling through Facebook reels, and I find this this band, and they're called Sump. And this is how it starts out, okay? I'm going to kind of imitate it just so you get the full picture, okay? It's a guy. Is this very kind of like middle-aged white guy. I mean, he looks young, but you could kind of tell he's middle-aged for whatever reason. And he's 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 at it's Austin, Texas. So I believe this was during South by Southwest. I could be wrong, but he's got his guitar and he's got a little soundboard, and he's like, Austin, you having a good time? <laughs> This song is about how Terminator 2 was right. <laughs> Holy shit. I love it already. <laughs> yeah. He goes, have you ever seen the Boston uh, technology dog? <laughs> Are you aware that dog has a machine gun? <laughs> the dog has a machine gun. <laughs> he has a machine gun. <laughs> One note, ladies and gentlemen, it's D for dog. (laughs) And then they launch into a ska metal jam. That is not what I thought you were going to say. Holy shit. Dude, it's the funniest (laughs) band that has ever lived. Uh, I swear to God. So on Spotify... Right now, they don't have anything except this live set that that I watched that they did in Austin, Texas. Uh, the top song has 3,012 v- uh, <laughs> listens. They're fucking nobody. The guy was playing bass for Flipper, which is another grunge band, by the way, that we okay. didn't talk about, yeah. but Flipper. Um, and... Mitch, this is the hardest I've laughed in a long time. I, I know you remember when I found Ninja Sex Party and I wouldn't oh, shut yeah. up about them. This is the same vein, but somehow wow. Like, <laughs> there's this one song where they start out like, have you all ever had Austin barbecue? <laughs> we did. It was great. Because, like, he'll do the thing with the soundboard where he'll just throw reverb and delay <laughs> yeah. on his voice. So, like... He did this one song where he was like, 
Before the pandemic, I wasn't on Lexapro. <laughs> and now I'm on Lexapro. <laughs> and now my girlfriend says I'm easier to get along with. <laughs> like, it's nonsensical shit, but their music is so good. It's like they do... <laughs> Actually, that song is the one. It's called Pills, and he's like, "Just give me the pills, just give me the pills." And then it's ska, and I've never laughed so. That hard is absolutely life. insane. <laughs> yeah, it just and he was like, "That was a ska metal jam about taking antidepressants." <laughs> I laughed my dick off yeah. for twenty minutes. <laughs> like it was the funniest thing. So everybody should check out Sump. It's the dumbest. It's it's. I, I've used the term before from Nakey Jakey, but it's goopy, goopy goblin brain. You know what I mean? It's just no. I don't know like, what you just, mean. In fact, <laughs> sorry, gamer, goopy, goopy goblin gamer brain. It's just like you have no attention span, and the only way you're going to gotcha. be interested is by them doing something crazier they did yeah. thirty seconds ago. That is this band. I gotcha. I dig it. That's insane. I will definitely check that out. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. It's and it's just so much my humor because like he has a soundboard and the way he tries to introduce the band. It's really funny in this bit too because he's trying to get it. He's like, "Hey, we're called Sump. Uh, we're and he like plays the wrong thing. He's like, "That's not it. That's not it." And he's like, "Oh wait, yeah, we're called Sump." And the th- the little soundboard thing. It's like Sump, Sump. <laughs> Sup, sup, sup! It's just like, and, and the crowd—they they do not get it. They do not get it, and it's even funnier because they're all like, "Come close!" And it's like the whole first song. He's like, "We're not a band; we're a, a musical arts collective." It's the dumbest shit, but it's it's incredibly yeah, funny. So that—that's amazing. That's what I've been. Yeah, that's what I've been listening yeah. to. All right, this was a marathon. It's going to be two parts for everybody else except for us. It was one. <laughs> it was a big one. <laughs> that it was a big one. I'm so tired. I'm going to call off work tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you did have four beers. <laughs> four IPAs. <laughs> Sorry. I'm drinking the I didn't rest, mean man. to count. That's not, that's not cool of me. <laughs> yeah, wow. What are you, my dad, bro? <laughs> no, because I'm talking you, to you. Fuck you, dude. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you're here. And I'm here. Haven't right. abandoned me. <laughs> no, we're having a beer together, so. Yeah. No, I you nurse that beer. I know you're fucking This strat. is my second beer, so. Th- this is a bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you opened that <laughs> like 45 minutes ago. I know. It's a Monday night. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. How about just, hey, guys, thanks for listening. See you next time. All right, beam us up. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.